as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you... Who I am is not important. Listen to discretion is... Klingon best. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trippers. Her encore mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff. To follow the girl word, no podcast has gone forth. Hello and welcome to Tribbles and Ecstasy, episode 236. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow, and joining me in the studio today, we've got... Zero seven to all the capsuleers out there. Wait, wrong franchise. Hello, everybody. It's Sun. It's me, Stu Dog. And it's raining where he is. <laughs> yeah, don't know what just happened to the quality of your mic just then, but it went down. <laughs> just fell out. <laughs> uh, that's what they all say to the courts. And it wasn't me on, it's not guilty. <laughs> and we should have Timberwolf along with us shortly. And maybe even Dragon, depending when he gets off work. Alrighty. So we will This start. is gonna be another short week this got week that guys. It's just just yeah, there's not a whole lot of news and I wasn't expecting a whole lot of news. Less than five hours. Although, I do have to say, Alex brought up something in the feedback that I didn't know was going on, and that probably should be addressed, like, in official news. Okay. Well, in Star Trek Online, for the PC, we have got a keyring bundle that has been released. So, for a little time, you can get a pack that will give you 20 Master Keys, and... In there will be a promotional thing where you get an ultimate tech upgrade. So that will allow you to get um, zero cost to Dilithium for your upgrade and it will instantly set both its mark and quality to maximum. So usually mark 14 and epic gold quality. So this yeah. is basically a legendary tech upgrade? Yeah. Okay. And it will cost you 2,250 then. So if you're 
really got a lot to do with your upgrading and you normally buy some keys then it's a good deal now this is only going on until october the 10th though it's not just this weekend like most deals that you get mm-hmm. so, so it's bas- quite a while long yeah you've basically got two and a half weeks so so yeah and that covers payday for a lot of people as well so yeah hopefully people can actually make some use of it and um Unfortunately, even when payday comes, the money's all gone. My car needs more love again. That's very car. expensive. Ah, cars just ugh. cars are the biggest prostitutes you'll ever have to deal with in your entire life. Is I thought my wife was expensive. Now midnight. <laughs> anyway, moving along. I mean, after all, after all. Who's the one that went and saw Beyond multiple times? Because they got to because they got to freeload off of other people. Well, so what you're bit. saying is that he went to see it so often that he broke the car. <laughs> yes. Well, I didn't freeload off anyone. I had to pay both times. That was a good film. I enjoyed watching it. Anyway, we are getting a new Fleer holding. It's been a while. I think it's, what, nearly two years since the last one now? I, I don't know. The R&D lab? When did that come out? I it was just last year during the Iconian arc. Yeah. Yes, it was, wasn't it? It seems longer for some reason. I want to say it was around about June sort of time, June, July. Now, Dog, did you want to take us through what you get with the fleet holding? Yeah, sure thing. So, at the conclusion of the episode Painful Omens... Starbase K-13 was lost in a temple anomaly. So during the update later this year, we'll be able to discover the fate of K-13 and find out what mysterious technologies are hidden away inside. So this will become available as a new TOS-themed fleet holding, available to all fleets in Star Trek Online. So the Klingons will have access to this Federation base as well. So this station will be discovered in previously unknown space and it will basically be like restoring an old car to its former glory and finding what interesting stuff and goodies and guns and equipment are hidden away inside it. Well, see, here's the, here's the, the interesting thing about space and even in a Star Trek future. In a Star Trek future, you can kind of sort of map out a whole bunch of stuff. Like, a whole bunch of stuff. Planets because of stars, you know, spatial anomalies, all that kind of stuff. But there will always be things, even in stuff you've already explored, that you won't be able to see or have sensors discover simply because of how vast space is. So every time we go through sector space, we're technically exploring where we already are. So there is exploration in stone. Well, you see that with the <laughs> the little things that are hidden away in there, where you find R&D gubbins, like abandoned ships and unknown nebulas that are just randomly scattered about. Now, I did like the image that you get on when it tells you about the holding. Um, link will be in our show notes, of course. And, yeah, it's just the image of the starbase with broken windows and (laughs) rubble all over the floor. 
Yeah, she's a bit of a fixer-upper. Now you realize when the Klingons get a hold of it, it won't have the little, it won't have the red anywhere on it, guys. To my fellow Klingons, it will be just the Klingon version, you know, recolored. Kind of like the, um, the Toss Bridge was recolored to be the Klingon Bridge. No, I didn't think of that, that the KDF version would look different from... The Fed I'm, version. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's exactly what's going to happen because of this quote unquote commitment to to detail and and immersion and all that kind of fluff. Oh, that's certainly something that I'm hoping for now to see a a KDF equivalent '60s style base. That would be awesome. Well, I mean, you know, if have we gone over the fact that there's an RP blog to go with this? There's an RP blog to go with this. So basically having Klingons take this over from an RP perspective, yeah, we'd be pulling out Klingons from cryosleep. Yes, yeah, so we're there as prisoners. Mm-hmm. Because at this time, you still had the uh, Klingon Federation, well, one of the Klingon Federation wars going on. Yes, it was the... Yeah, well, I guess it did turn into a proper war because there was a, a whole battle at the end of the arc. So it's much like for there's, there's that There's this vicious beastie. cycle. There's this vicious cycle that goes on, and I, I honestly, I don't care what CBS or Paramount want to say about the Klingons. There's always this cycle that goes on. There's a conflict. There's a falling out between the Klingons and the Federation. The Klingons go to war with the Federation. The two sides come to a tentative agreement some point later down the line. There's a union to the extent of the Klingons joining the Federation. And then the cycle starts all over again. Because by the time we get to by the time we get to TNG, the the Klingons have joined the Federation twice. Yeah, and they they, they were kind of almost going to be at war, but then there was that whole Incident involving the Enterprise C at Narendra Three. Well, no, they, see that was the third conflict. That was the third. Fed, that was the third Klingon war. Before itself. TNG, the Klingons hadn't joined the Federation. They had got a treaty with them, but they hadn't joined the Federation. That's weird because in several episodes, either. Both Wesley and Data have mentioned the fact that the Klingons had joined the Federation at that point, or at some yes. point. Yep, um, I'd heard that one too. And there's the episode with the three Klingon criminals, and the Klingon captain appears on screen, and he's got the the badge of the United Federation of Planets behind him. I don't recall seeing that so far. I think the episode was called A Matter of Honor? Mm-hmm. I think I've just seen that recently. Is that as well. where? Is that the one where like all the little piece, pieces of their suit make a makeshift disruptor? That is the very yeah. one they're sitting in the brig and building <laughs> using all these bits out of their like the spikes from their shoes. That was <laughs> so amazing. Yeah, no. Klingon I, MacGyver. No, I have seen that one recently, and yeah, I don't remember that at all. I don't remember because that's the one where I think Riker is actually. Is that the one where, yeah, he's on the um, Klingon ship as well, isn't it? No, the the one that I'm thinking of is in the first series. Uh, you're thinking of the one with a the Benzite lad. 
A matter of honor is when. Matter um, of honor is the one where Riker is a transfer or exchange officer. Yeah. Okay, I'm just getting my episode names mixed up. Okay, but yeah, I don't recall that being on there. But if, yeah, if it was the season one, well, they, it, I think they retconned it because from everything else I've ever seen, they've never been part of the Federation. It's always been a peace treaty. No, and it's the same with the Romulans. There was a treaty there as well. That's why you'd got the neutral zone. There wasn't. They weren't part of the Federation. Yeah, just a sort of a tentative, let's leave each other alone sort of agreement. Yeah, and um, welcome to Timberwolf, and welcome back, Zombie. Hi. Hey, guys. What's up, what's up? Not much, not much. Just doing some paperwork in the background, that's that's all. <laughs> yeah, well, we're just going through the new fleet holding that we're going to be getting soon. Um, Timberwolf, have you had a look through... At some of these weapons and things. No, I did not know. Th- well, I mean, you're talking about the blog where they simply showed the looks of the weapons. Because, mm. yes, I have looked at those. And, you know, I've never been a really, I guess, big fan of the Klingon original series weapons. They look kind of clunky. Um, I know the, the Federation ones look that way as well. But I kind of like the look of that uh, Federation almost mini rifle for this new fleet holding. It does look kind of cool. Yeah, the little carbine thing. Yeah. Looks like it's a snub-nosed rifle or something. Like they've been they making in look, enhancements. Yeah. It, it, they do look very 60s. Yeah. They fit They fit perfectly with what they're supposed to be doing. So, I mean, I, I've enjoyed looking at it. Um, I like the fact that, it, at least for the blog... The interior of the station looks damaged, and potentially when we're doing projects, we're going to go from a damaged station on the interior and exterior to a fully functional station. That's actually going to be really nice. Yeah, it's definitely a different way to sort of go about building up your faction, um, your little base. Uh, yeah, it's a nice way to sort of tie it into um, the storyline. But a bit like with a space dock when you get the new one. Um, everybody gets it, so once you've got it, if you just join the game, it's then there when you join a fleet. So you sort of miss, oh, we found it, sort of thing. Um, so it sort of goes out of order. A bit like you start off in the new Earth space stock, you don't start off in the old one until you hit that mission. But um, yeah, there are some things which would, it would divide the community, as opposed to do that um, i think i'm gonna really enjoy the aesthetics of this new base because i i kind of grew up watching that series so yeah <laughs> now i haven't had time to read the rp blog um what did you guys think of the introduction for this holding eh. you would say that <laughs> like uh, look i said this i said this in our chat i Honestly, I have nothing to say until we get more information. Pictures are nice. Information is better. You have a point. Yeah, but it has only just been released. So, yeah, we'll we'll hopefully know more um, very soon. I'd just like to know when it's actually going to become available for the fleets. Soon. Trademark. 
<laughs> patent pending. The story itself was okay. It starts off with the um, the commander of the station looking out a window, going, "Nope, you, you can't change my mind. We're 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 all, you know, we're all gonna go into the stasis pods, even the Klingons. And if there's not that's, enough room, we're drawing lots." That's acting commander. <laughs> yeah, well, I just you know, there's like this. I don't know. Somebody mentioned something about there being a triple on board the station. Somehow, <laughs> I'm, I'm I, okay. One, I don't know how it survives. Two, if there is a triple that survives, can the Klingons at least get one of the neural parasites? You know, if there's if there's some kind of new triple or new triple non-combat pit, could there be a neural parasite non-combat pit for the Klingons? We did talk about introducing that with. Who was it now? Was that Stephen Rakosa? I believe so. Or was that with Echo? I think it might have been Echo. I believe it was Ruth Rakosa. It is one of them. But yeah, we sort of said that it would be nice to have one of them. (laughs) Because they go too fast (laughs) through any food. I have put in our chat um, what Stu Dog was talking about regarding the screen. Only thing is, um, and I'll actually include it in our show notes as well. Um, Heart of Glory, the episode you were talking about, that is a false background. They don't show the bridge. So I'm thinking they've imposed that the communication is from the Federation to the Klingon Empire. Ah, it's basically. That, that's how like... I always took that. I didn't take it that they were part of the Federation. Yeah, so it's like the screen on your phone telling you who they are phoning. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was a graphic overlay and not an actual affiliation thing. Because at that point, we hadn't seen the bridge um, of a Klingon ship. Because that came later. Or it could be a Klingon division of, uh, essentially, the diplomatic office. So, So the guy could be assigned, essentially, to the, the Klingon diplomacy division. Kind of like uh, Kalar was. He was en route to collect the prisoners. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. Um, yeah, I never took it that there. It was actually a... Um, they were part of the Federation, because everything that I've seen so far of PNG and TOS, I've not seen anything part that would indicate that at all. So. But, uh, yeah, it'll be nice to get some new fleet holdings. There are a lot of fleets out there that um, have sort of maxed out their star bases and all their other holdings. Um, my little family fleet that I've got going on, I've been trying to build up to help my son out, is now at level 28. Um, so that's just lots more for that one to do. But yeah, for the bigger fleets out there, they'll be welcomed. And course we've still got the armada system where people can help out so uh, be interesting to see what other items come from there but sort of as sunseal said at the moment we haven't really got much in the way of information um but i did notice that we do have a little robot the nomad uh, what nomad yeah or kind of like nomad it's a little more rounder than nomad 
Yeah, I noticed that too. It's like that. Well, that that looks like the probe, but that probe was a whole hell of a lot more square than this. Oh, the yes. actual nomad itself appears in the the German block, which I did have. There it is. Yeah, because the German block does actually have a few more pictures. Yeah. Um. But yeah, thing is, I think there was an episode. It might actually be the one where we see Nomad, where Kirk talks about um, a robot being on a ship, and I think someone once mentions that that might have. They that's when a reference was made to Discovery, um, which sort of leads into the new TV series and they've said about possibly having some AI robots sort of thing but uh, yeah we won't know that until at least May next year I'm just I'm posting the German link into the the Twitch chat for our listeners because you guys you guys might want to see the extra pictures Uh, well but yeah when we hear more about this fleet holding uh, we shall report on that. Now, Thursday, we had our usual patch. Um, they've done some more fixes that um, occasionally cause the game to crash the chat system. Um, they've done some animation updates. Um, same with uh, updates to some systems. We've got mines and cluster torpedoes now gain a DM slash DM mod at gold quality in place of the ACK DM, um, which was found on other weapons. Now, DM DM is two lot. that's two lots of damage, isn't it, Timberwolf? Yeah. And then and ACK DM is accuracy damage. So yeah. they've basically doubled the damage instead of having an accuracy mod. Which is kind of nice. It, uh, I mean, I, I don't use mines or the cluster torpedoes myself, but simply by adding in yet another damage modifier. Um, those people that love using those particular weapons like me. and and they love having like damage times three or four at, at ultra rare. Now they're getting two extra damage modifiers. That's probably going to be very nice for them. Especially considering they're keeping that, those weapons and investing in them. Mm. Well, Especially as their minds, accuracy is a bit useless to them, isn't it? Because basically they'll only get triggered when you're close to them. So, so yeah, it's good that they've done that. If if there was one modifier that that would actually be beneficial, like to have an actual modifier, probably it would be having the modifier for just minds only of flight speed. That would help, too. Because it means that those those mines, even in the cluster torpedoes, would be going for their targets a whole lot faster than, than you know, some of the evasive maneuvers can, can just sheerly outrun. Well, they have said that existing gold-quality mines and cluster torpedoes will convert their mods of accuracy to the new damage. Which is so, good. Um, yeah, so you don't have to worry if you've already spent an awful lot of time and resources actually getting to that level. So, um, yeah, because a lot of the time these things won't have actually convert. So, because um, they, they have stopped a lot of these fix-up scripts due to the amount of 
resources that are taken up by the server. But I suppose so few people probably use torpedoes and mines or cluster torpedoes and mines that they're just getting it to convert. That's usually upon logging. Or they use them, they just have never crafted the projectile upgrades to get them up to that quality. Possibly. Like me. <laughs> Although this would be a great use for the uh, the key ring tech upgrade for putting on a Vodwar cluster torpedo. This is true. Mm. Yeah. Instantly upgraded all the way. All the way. One of the other systems that have been changed is Threatening Stance. That now has a three second recharge time and a minor delay between activating the toggle and being treated as in Threatening Stance by other abilities such as the Strategist Specialization. So, See, I never, I never understood Threatening Stance. I, I, I never... I never used the threat modifiers when they were when they weren't like part of a a, a, a thing, and now I use the threatening thing even less because I don't even have to have it. Uh, it depends upon what powers and abilities you make use of. Because sometimes it's good to be the center of attention from all the enemies to make some of your other powers work better, because they work off of. How many times something missed you or something like that. So if you have more people shooting at you, that means more chances that they'll miss and therefore buffing up your that particular ability. So I must admit, I always keep away from using Threatening Stance because I'm never too sure when I should or shouldn't use it. So. <laughs> I don't I don't use I don't use threatening stance because I generate enough threat just having my Orion carrier do the do the its little command carrier ability. You know, with the, the threatening posture thing. Yeah. Just to just to keep my just to keep my slavers alive. Yeah, I generate enough threat just by doing that. But I also have enough heals on the thing to keep myself alive while doing it too. Cause the thing doesn't put out that much as a three three. So um. yeah, it's it's kind of a it's kind of an amazing feat when you see 100,000 damage roll across the screen because something was at 25% health and your your um your your uh, what was that the anti-terran torpedo thingy hits it and it just they they explode <laughs> like holy crap <laughs> now I know why I got the invite to the 15,000 DPS leak <laughs> Um, they've also resolved a couple of problems with clipping um, when it comes to decorated Klingon braces. Um, that's for veterans. And replaced a duplicated alien-generated preset costume with a more unique costume. Um, down as known issues, the TOS Gorn outfit does not unlock once completing episode of Battle of Caleb 4. That is still an issue. And there's still no level up audio or FX um, for 23rd century captains. Ew, really? <laughs> I, I, my guy levels up, my 23rd century captain levels up, and he gets surrounded in gold whirly things, and then like he's teleporting away, but then, and it's just the sound that goes along with teleporting, and then, and it tells me that 
that tells me that he's leveled up. It doesn't. There isn't a voice that actually says you've leveled up or gained a level or anything. Yeah, yeah. See, that's yeah. That's 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 the issue. That's the known issue. There's no. There's no. There's no audio cue. There's like no there is with the Romulans. Congratulations, Lieutenant. Or yeah, I don't like remember that ever being said. That's yeah. That yeah. That's that's a thing that's not happening for 23rd century captains. It probably kind of should. But I get the animation of things happening to him. I just don't hear him saying, "Hey, you're now an admiral" or something. You know. Yeah, but uh, that I think that's the bit that they're saying is not working. Well, they said it was audio or FX, and I'm like going, oh, I've got the FX, I just don't have the audio, apparently. Hmm. Well, moving along, Star Trek Online console news. On the 20th, there was a maintenance period, so that was, what, Tuesday. Um, there were no patch notes, but there was maintenance on both Xbox and PlayStation 4. <laughs> also, they've named the servers, like, officially. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that when it all first got um, released, that um, they're calling the server for Xbox, they're calling that Romulus, and PlayStation 4, they're calling Andor. Andor, well, yeah. Because if... green and blue. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think that's to do with the colors. <sighs> yep, that, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, this weekend, for those of you playing console, is an upgrade weekend. So that's going from now until September 26th. So yeah, you've only got a couple of days left. So each tech upgrade will apply twice as many tech points to your next upgrade. So overall, um, that will reduce how much dilithium you require. So, um, yeah, you can start getting your upgrades done now. Um, heavy escort carriers. Um, they will soon be available for both the consoles. Um, you can buy either just a single ship at 3000 Zen, or you can get the bundle of three ships, so that'll be a science, tactical, and engineering for 6000. So basically, you buy three and get one free. Um, if you do decide to purchase a single ship, um, the ability to purchase the bundle will be unavailable, though. That's worth just noting. Timberwolf, are you able to give us more information on these ships for um, the console players? Um, I mean, right now I'm on console, I'm in the C-Store, um, and they've got the Tier 6 Cross-Faction Heavy Escort Carrier Bundle, along with each individual. They're, they're currently in the C-Store right now. Um, there's not as many options, of course, as we're used to on PC. They're kind of just piecing it together. So some options at the tier five and uh, mainly tier six level are not available, but they are piecing them together rather well. At least there's a good balance, but the heavy escort carriers did help a lot of, a lot of people. Cause I do feel that the way the controls are, it does fit a little bit more that escort um quick flying style you're you know you in the, the escort you'd want to dip in do your damage and and come out come on out of there kind of deal so having these extra ships is going to be nice um and for events they have got it pretty busy 
for console yeah. over the next month. I was honestly surprised because it's, it's a lot of stuff they've tagged out in rapid succession. What sort of things are they doing now they got it all organized on console? Well, right now we're, we've got our upgrade weekend until the 26th. Then that's followed by the first ever crystalline event on console. That's running from the 29th of September to the 20th of October. We've got a crystalline entity event going on for a few weeks. And during the crystalline event, we have, during the second week of crystalline, we have a bonus experience. And during the third week, we have bonus marks. At the end of crystalline, on the 20th, in space, we switch from crystalline cataclysm to a Tholian red alert weekend. We have a Tholian red alert event for the weekend. And then rounding out the end of October, we have a mirror invasion event for the weekend. So they're pretty much keeping us busy with events, whether it be crystalline, Tholian red alert, mirror invasion, bonus marks, bonus upgrade. I mean, they're they've got it this slotted is, out. This is on well. console, right? Yeah, I mean, this is all on PlayStation Four and Xbox One. I wonder if they're running the the um, older stuffs. I mean, it's possible because they did say they're trying to figure out how to get accessibility for older content like starships and consoles. They did state that. Um, they've stated that in interviews that we've done. And well, they stated last week that they had sorted that system out and there was a system in place to do that yeah. going forward. So I'm maybe this is their way because um, I haven't gotten to level 50 yet. I'll probably do that this weekend. But so far, uh, the big thing that everybody's doing is deep space encounters to level up with addition to the missions. So, but I, I have those heard... were locked to level 50. What, the deep space encounters? Well, that's that's what they did for the that's what they did for PC, didn't they? Um, uh, the the uh, the deep space red alert encountering things. Th yeah, those were supposed to be locked to 50. Well, and on console right now, the Deep Space Encounters where you're fighting either the Borg or True Way or whatnot, those are open. I was able to start doing those encounters at level 27. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I thought it was level 20 or something like that, that it was unlocked at. I don't think it was as late as 50, because most of those are sort of like Klingon, so you'd already be very overpowered if you started it at 50. I think they locked the red alerts 50, possibly, but the Deep Space Encounters, um, yeah, people are jumping in at level 25 and doing those. And that's one red alert, on, or not red alert, one Deep Space Encounter on consoles, about enough, depending on your level, to give you at least half of your experience bar, if not a complete experience bar, depending on how many people are in there. Have they fixed the issue with the number of people within... An instance, because I, um, I mentioned oh. last week that we'd got reports that there were so many people in the Deep Space Encounters that it was just flooded with ships. Um, the last one I was a part of is there's about maybe 20 to 25 in there, but that wasn't the issue that I was seeing midnight. And I've reported it because it is technically a bug. On PC, when you're doing a, one of those Deep Space Encounters... Once that progression bar is finished, 
you get your reward, and it's over. You warp out. You're good to go. Right now on console, what I've reported to one of the bug hunters is when that bar fills up, the bar goes away, players are waiting about 10 to 15 seconds, and then the instance resets within itself. So they're able to repeat the Deep Space Encounter three or four times in the same instance before they actually have to warp out because it's completed. Which Not is to- which is what which is how those instances actually used to be. Yeah. You could sit in those instances and they would naturally just reset. But going on how they did them it for stuff. And that's that's what I'm saying. That's on PC they stopped that. So maybe it isn't a bug for console, but going on PC knowledge it's not working as intended, but it could yeah. be just the first iteration of it. So you'll see people stay in there and it'll go four to five rounds before it stops. And then they'll go to the next deep space encounter. And that's what I was saying off of one deep space encounter. If you go in the very beginning, you can jump one to two levels easily just by co- competing in that particular encounter. So people have been using them quite a bit. I would say stop using them now, otherwise you're going to get smacked with the exploit label and be considered a hacker for the rest of whatever. This is true. They might do that, considering Japori and the other stuff. Yeah. thing is, is what level did they say? Because are the Deep Space Encounters only supposed to hold 10 people? Or was it no, 20? no, no, no. They redesigned... They redesigned the, the those encounters in the first place so that it only needed like a five man team. No, last week um, Simracosa um, said how many it should have been. I, I think you, now. I, I, thought I thought you were talking about. I thought you were talking about just instances of people being in places, not uh, encounters. No, 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 deep space encounters. Because I was talking about how. Um, People on Facebook chat had said how they were in a deep space encounter and there's like 40, 50 people in there and there were just so many ships that you didn't have to go far just to kill like everything. Pretty much. So, and I'm trying to think if he said it it should be either 10 or 20. Um, can't remember now. Because um, Timberwolf was just saying that there's about 25, 27 people in the instance or something. It, it can get flooded because with that many people, you'll see a flood of NPC ships also. So it can get pretty hectic, I guess, for not just you trying to keep up with the enemies, but it can get hectic on the graphics because there's a lot going on. Because, mm-hmm. um, of course, there's no release notes. We don't know if that's now been fixed. Um, have you been in a Deep Space Encounter since Tuesday? Yeah, the, the last one I was in was Wednesday. Okay, so it doesn't look like that's been fixed yet, then. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, and, of course, with... Because we were originally talking about the heavy escort carriers, um, you get a universal console, which is destabilized tachyon emitters. Are you able to shed a little light on what that does for the console players? Um, I mean, right now, the best thing about it, if they're getting it which I'll bring it up in the C-Store so I can look at it. The best thing that I'm seeing for it is if you're using that console, they do have it where it's available for any heavy escort carrier variant. So it is locked to a variant of the heavy escort carrier. If you're doing a lot of drain expertise in your builds, it's probably 
for console right now, it's probably a good console to have. Because there's not really a lot of options really in the game at the moment. So it actually be a really good console. Um, considering it's giving you an energy damage boost and it's giving you a boost of flow capacitors, so another drain mechanic. So if you're you're used to running Polaron or Tetrion weaponry, you're running things like Energy Siphon or just anything in general that's enhanced by by uh, drain expertise, this could be a very good console in this early stage of the game to actually have if you're running this ship. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. That's all the news we've got for Star Trek Online this week. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll find out more about the fleet holdings for next week and some other things. And next week on the show, we have actually got a couple of guests. We've got Nick Goody, Dugid, sorry, um, senior environment artist, and Joe Jing, um, who's a character artist. So they'll be joining us. Yeah, hopefully we can find out a little bit more about um, some of the changes to console and uh, any other questions you may have. Okay, Star Trek timelines. Um, Not much news this week. There is an event this weekend, so those of you who play called The Ribbon of Joy. Wait, Um, wait, wait. Before we go any further, was this title or this name ever properly used at any point in Star Trek? Not that I can recall. Then why? Um, it's to do with Sauron and people being happy within the ribbon, I suppose. Right, but that thing was called like The being Nexus. Choice. But that was called The Nexus for a reason. Yeah, but that's just the name of the ribbon. It's a, They have this with a lot of their things. They don't name it after one thing. It's just a name for this event. And with this event, when you're doing your missions, it's all ground ones, you actually get um, chronotons, don't you, for this one? So um, that's useful. I mean, even in the little blurb, it refers to it as the Nexus. It's not like it's another version of the Nexus. It This is THE Nexus. It doesn't mean they have to call the event the Nexus. Zed Ribbon of Joy is just the title. I suppose just a normal guy walking past it who sees the name, Oh, Ribbon of Joy, that sounds like fun. Now... One of the crews that will be appearing will be Age of Sail Crusher, Dr. Tolian Soran. Sorin. I can't remember how to say his name now. How do you pronounce Sorin. it? Soran. It is Soran, isn't it? Dr. Yeah. Tolian Soran. He's an Eldorian! Yeah, it's, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. Although I should be guessing to Generations. Yeah. Um, last week I started my rewatch of the movies with my son so got through um the movies one two and three i think it was so um yeah this weekend i will be watching some more with him um also in the premium packs and Dabo, the voting that they did in one of the previous events um has got a super rare romulan kirk in it so um yeah, all these characters are um, 
super rare or with the age of sail crusher is legendary this is the sailing crusher from when uh they were on the boat at the beginning of generations and uh Worf was getting promoted or drowned walk in the plank <laughs> <laughs> well no remember he he had to he had to capture his promotional tricorn from from the little dangly pole that was on the plank. Then Riker uh, removed the plank. Yeah, but that was only because he actually caught it, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. That's the sort of he, thing I would do. <laughs> he, he, caught the, he caught the... Yeah, he caught the hat, giving him, you know, his promotion, essentially. And then Riker removed the plank. Computer? It's brilliant. Remove the plank. <laughs> And then, of course, and then, of course, Data, not knowing humor, tosses Beverly overboard. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Every time Data has, like, some kind of family moment or an emotional moment, something like that happens. You know, he almost gets everyone destroyed by the Borg and his brother. He, he takes all the oxygen out of the bridge and goes flying off to some planet God knows where. Crystalline entities show up. Data moments, you know. <laughs> yeah, but see, unlike all of those other moments, this was actually funny. It's just everybody around him thought it thought it wasn't. <laughs> it was actually yeah. hilarious for him to. I mean, this is this is like one of those one of those. This is like the the the, the little the little scene with him and Guinan in Ten Forward, and he's able to taste stuff, and he goes, "This is vile." I hate this. Would you like another? Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> oh, forgot saying spoilers. <laughs> okay, I'm not even going there. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist. Um, that was in relation to feedback we got last week. That continues this week. Yes. Okay. Convention news. Destination Star Trek Europe. Um, we have finally got some news from them. Hurrah! It's not like it's in two weeks' time. So, yeah, been hoping for a lot more news on the run-up. Um, but, um, yeah, we hadn't really heard much from them. So, um, we haven't reported on it. But, uh, yeah, we've got some information through. Um, this week, they finally opened up applications for press passes. So, I have applied. And I should hopefully hear back by the end of next week, so a week before the convention. <laughs> so, um, not really make useful. Sure, make, sure you, make sure you list your references as the GNT show, and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, well, they asked what organizations, so it's like, well, I'm the producer and host of Tribbles and Ecstasy, I'm the host of Trek News and Views, and I'm also staff behind the GNT show. So, <laughs> just like, yeah, take your pick i'll be reporting what's going on for all of them so <laughs> are, are, are you are you still support staffer for that other show which other show the 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 one with the the one with one in its name yeah that 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 could that 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 could work as a reference too well no they they've got their own people um I know. a lot of their staff are from uk and ireland so um but no um, the other ones um, so are doing the reporting. You. Sorry, did they bin you? No, just they've got 
sort of I just help with editing and QA when needed and um, forums and stuff like that. So, um, it's it's no. a nightmare when audio software, editing software is broken, isn't it, Midnight? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Last week was a nightmare. But, uh, oh well, these things happen. We have nobody but- to blame but Maria. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it could have been worse. It could have been as bad as the time that we spoke to Armin Shiverman and Tony Amendola. Hopefully that's... we'll be able to speak with him again over a connection that's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I have never spent so much time editing than I had with that interview. Just uh, the amount of lag we had on that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I still shudder when I just think about it. It's like, that oh. was we're 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 talking about we're talking about Twitch delays in lag on on just on a VoIP through Teamspeak. It's like, yeah, no. Where you get the 20 second delay and then all of a sudden everything stops and the little thing starts spinning because it's still trying to do whatever connection and then the stream picks up from that point and continues on and you're like it's been three minutes now and you're still talking about the thing from the other thing and uh, is there silence or or have you actually been talking this whole time the thing is when you're in team speak we actually see what's called the ping rates so that's how long it takes for the signal to basically like a, a radar ping it goes out comes back now usually you don't tend to have them on an average connection more than a couple of hundred milliseconds that connection with them had them anywhere from what was it 2000 to about 7000 so this is sort of like two to seven seconds delay, and uh, yeah, it was just it was the nightmare. In the end, I actually got all of you guys to re-record all our bits so I could try and cut in all the other bits properly. So, but of course, before that, because there was so much echo, because there's the two of them, they didn't have a headset, so. That's the closest we've ever got to being P1. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's the most editing I've ever done for the Tribble Show. Just... uh, Because, of course, I got such a headache from it because I had to keep re-listening to it with the echo to dictate... to basically type out everything we said. We almost didn't have a show that next week because you were just so (laughs) exhausted. (laughs) But, oh, uh, yeah, as I said, that was a nightmare. But uh, <laughs> hopefully that won't ever happen again. Anyway. <laughs> the day that midnight broke down. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Destination Star Trek Europe. Of course, this is on the 7th to the 9th of October at the NEC in Birmingham. Now... Today, we have actually had announced that Greg Grunberg has been announced to be the stage host. So he'll be hosting the opening ceremony and will be joined by all the people who are attending as guests. Now, for those of you who don't know who Greg Grunberg, Grunberg, 
great Gromberg <laughs> is. Um, he's appeared in Alias, basically anything that's to do with Bad Robot and JJ. Um, he was in the recent um, Star Trek Beyond movie. Um, he's been in Star Wars. And yeah. He was also Heroes the voice. Too. He was in Heroes, Alias. Um, he was the voice of Kirk's uncle when he's in the car in the first of the That's movies. right, yeah. And he was the Yorktown guy in the latest movie. Yeah. Yep, traffic controller. Mm-hmm. So, um, so uh, yeah, he's been in Star Trek before. And, um, yeah, he will be hosting... Um, a lot of the stage things that are going on on the main stage. We've also had some new guests that have been added. Um, we've had Colonel Alfred Warden. Um, he was the Apollo 15 commander, um, or command module pilot. Um, he is one of only 24 people who have actually travelled to the moon. Um, he will be available for signing autographs and photo shoots as well as taking to the stage to talk about his career and his experience in space. So, um, yeah, I think that's a first for Destination Star Trek, because I think usually they've only had Star Trek actors that have appeared. So, um, yeah, that's definitely something nice. Um, they've also announced that Gates McFadden is attending. So you now have both the crushers, because we have Will Wheaton attending as well. Um... Linda Park was previously announced, but for some reason she is still not on the guest list page that they've got where they show everybody. For some reason, they've actually missed her out on that. So um, hopefully when they add in Gates McFadden, um, they will actually add in Linda Park as well. So um, yeah, I think that takes it up to 27, 28 guests altogether that are attending. Um, so, yeah, still nowhere as big as STLV, because, um, yeah, they usually have um, 100 plus, don't they? I know, this last time around they had like over 100. But um, you never know, there's still a couple of weeks left, they may actually announce more people. I just wish they would announce things a lot sooner. There's, you get all these other conventions, they're announcing things sort of like a year in advance, even if it's just the dates. But destinations leave it so long, and I just feel they would get a lot more people attending if they actually told people what's happening a lot sooner. Because it's not like destinations is regular either, so it's not something that's guaranteed to be every single year. Because we seem to be getting it, especially in the UK, every two years. You know what I miss? I miss the uh, Ensemble Theater uh, uh, blog having uh, one-eighth gates. <laughs> oh, yeah. Forgot about them. Yeah, haven't seen that for a while. Yeah, their last post was in 2014. But, um, but yeah, the thing is, in the UK, the convention's not even in half-term, so kids especially for people who want to attend for all three days um you've got kids and things like that to be to think of and yeah it's yeah i think it's just a shame and of course especially this year so many people want to attend something for the 50th and i know a lot of people who 
I would go and meet at conventions who have said, well, I'm not going to destinations this year because all my money went on going to STLV. And I do wonder, well, if they'd actually announced that they were actually going to do something beforehand, that, uh, yeah, people would have actually tried to save up for it a bit more. um, Well, it may have been a situation where they didn't have the confirmations from the individuals involved to be able to make those announcements. Well, they've done this for every convention. They don't tend to announce the convention until six months before. So it means people who have been planning all their holidays for the year because of schools and kids and everything else, most of them are already booked up um, for term times and things like that. And it just leaves it so late that it can make it hard for people to attend, um, which is a shame. As I said, I've known people who have wanted to attend and it's just like, well, I haven't got the holiday. I can't make it out there. So it's just like, well, if they'd announced it earlier, people have a bit more planning time. And if they announced it, say, at the end of one, okay, well, we'll be back in two years time. This is the date and this is the location because they don't have to say which actors are appearing. At least people who... Are looking to go can make sure that's blanked out and especially for me at work it's first come first serve so if somebody else had already booked off those dates then sort of I couldn't get the time off and yeah. there are of course people who work weekends not everybody works Monday to Friday so yeah it'd just be nice just ask just ask Dragon who only seems to work on Friday <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um but no, it would be nice for future conventions if they would announce it a lot earlier. Hell, it'd be nice if they'd actually decide to do it once a year, because at least people can sort of expect it. But, you know how um, we, you, you know how I have this thing with Cryptic about, hey, you should probably announce stuff a lot sooner than the week before it happens, because you know, make people making plans to play the game. Yeah, that goes for this too. Yep. But, um, yeah, as I said, it would just be nice to have a lot more communication. But yeah, even when it comes to their Twitter feed, they the last bit of news they put out was almost two weeks ago, which was actually a retweet of news about the convention from StarTrek.com. And it's literally been retweets and the last time they actually tweeted something properly was two weeks ago to say happy 50th. So, um, yeah, the last time they actually tweeted out some news was three weeks ago, um, which was about Chase Masterson. So, yeah, it'd just be nice, especially as we're now so close to the event, is to actually have some more news about what's going on. We still don't know what sort of vendors are going to be there um, or anything. We know there's a party Friday night and Saturday night. You've got Shatner's World. That's going to be um, on, I think it's Saturday, um, before the party. Oh, um, God. That, and th- okay, that, that brought that's... some horrible mental images. This is like Shatner's World. It's full of women in the kitchen. <laughs> well, it's his little comedy sketch show, isn't it? That, But it's the first time he's ever performed it in the UK. So... Yeah, they've got that going on. Um, But yeah, it'd just be nice to know more about what's going on because if people are going to 
pay to get there. He is just for me, just to get there and back. I'm probably talking about, I don't know, forty pound in fuel. Then I've got accommodation, which so far looks to be about ninety pound a night, because it for some reason Birmingham seems to be more expensive than um, London. Yes, it's odd. Yeah. It's just like, what the... Sort of like, yeah, I could get a um, place to stay at the last minute in London for like 50, 60 quid a night. Um, which is sort of a pretty decent place. But yeah, sort of looking at the cheapest things and it's just like nearly 90 quid a night. It's just like, okay. So it's like, why are they, why are they, why are they holding it there? Was, was, <coughs> was, was Telford not big enough? Uh, I think it was because it made it easier for other... It was more central location, because rather than being just fully down south, Birmingham's a lot closer for people in Scotland and Wales, maybe. Or maybe it was booked. Um, I know when I had a look at what was on in London, there wasn't anything directly on those dates, but there was stuff around it. So I'm thinking well, we set nobody's, up nobody, well, Nobody's going to book anything in London anyway, because London's way too expensive. <laughs> Period. So, but, yeah, I just, I don't know. As I said, I just wish there'd be a lot more communication. Because the first year that they did it, there was so much communication. They were really good. But it seemed to have got less and less each year. Uh, it's like they're giving up. just about to say a similar thing. I'm just wondering what will happen the, the next time round. Whether it'll just sort of whimper out. I don't know, but... I don't know. The thing is, it's not like we get many Star Trek conventions here in the UK, so I hope it's not winding down, because uh -huh. a lot of my friends do tend to head towards going to these, and it's one of the very few times that I can sort of arrange to meet up with them. Um, it's a bit like Vegas. Most people, they're wanting to go because they know everybody else is going. It's a great time to meet all these people you talk to all the time over things like TeamSpeak, Skype, social media. You can actually meet them in person and you know where they're going to be. But yeah, it, it would just be nice to get more information from them. But yeah, hopefully in the next week I will actually have some news regarding my press pass and find out whether or not I can actually properly report on what's been going on. So, okay. Foundry Spotlight. Any extra petting? <laughs> it's been a while since we've done the Foundry. Now, Zombie, Studog, and Timberwolf, you guys have actually played what we've had down as the next mission for, uh, it seems like a few months now. For the last three million years. <laughs> Plus this two. One's, this one's been hidden away in a our freezer, and it's called Cold Horizon. Now, Zombie, did you want to go through and sort of give the introduction about this mission and start saying what you thought about it? Uh, no, because I'd have to be reminded. <laughs> Could somebody <laughs> else start on Because <laughs> it's been a while since I played that one. Sure. Me and Timberwolf recently played through the mission. So... The mission involves the USS Chiron, which is a science vessel which has gone missing near Breen territory. And because you are the only person and the only ship in range, 
you've been sent to investigate and find out what happened to the Chiron. So the mission takes place during the Future Proof arc at some point after the mission Stormbound where the the Lucari have been met and the Tholians are in the area. So once you get there, you engage in combat with the Tholians and they've taken over the ship in question. It's your job to rescue everyone. Yeah, I gotta say, I was I was enjoying how they wrote this. It's one of those things with the Foundry nowadays. I'm really enjoying the writing and a lot of people have gone away from combat and they've done more of a balanced approach or they're doing more exploration, more scientific discovery. I found this was a nice balance though. Yeah, I mean, I felt it was it was just there wasn't like lots and lots and lots of combat. It was just like punctuated. Yeah, it just it just had what it needed. Yeah, it didn't have a whole lot. You didn't feel like you had to fight your way through half of the alpha and beta quadrants to get the job done. But it had enough to have a sense of urgency in the mission. And that's, to me, that's what made it a nice accent point. Not needed, but it adds the urgency of resolving what you have to resolve. I found that at a few points in the mission as well, there was a choice of what dialogue you could use. When I was playing through it on my Vulcan character, I found, I found dialogue choices that suited me. Nice. Like at He's some points, you could be... You could just be cold and analytical and straight up front, or you could just blatantly threaten people to do as you wanted them to do. <laughs> the zombie, have you remembered playing this mission? Uh, it was the Chiron. Um, yeah, because we were sent out to look at things. And I think what I remember out of it all is that it wasn't too frantic. The storyline flowed well, and it wasn't too frantic. So I didn't feel like I was, you know, stuck behind some stupid mechanic somewhere. But like I said, it's been a while since I played, so I'm not remembering the details very well at this point in time. I'm sure if I loaded it up real quick, I'd find out real fast what it was. Okay. So, is this something you guys would recommend to other people? Yeah, absolutely. Most definitely, yeah. Like I say, it was a good, a good fun mission, a good storyline, and... If you're not wanting something that's too heavy on the combat, it's definitely something to go for. So, the title of this episode is called Cold Horizon. The author is Naked Snake, all one word, and the three in Naked is a three. It is a Federation mission, and the minimum level is 20. So, um, yeah, it sounds interesting to you. Go have a play. So... The next time we get a chance to do our Foundry Spotlight, we will be looking at Ractogeno in a Jar by our friend from the Foundry Roundtable, Drogon1701. And it is a KDF mission. So, for those of you who like to play Klingons, um, head into the Foundry and let us know your reviews. And what we'll do is... I will keep a note of any reviews you guys give us, and we can read those out when we do our own one. Okay, any other business? Um, Mav from Stoked Radio 
he's still having problems. Um, as we mentioned um, previously, um, he got an eviction notice which um, he couldn't get overturned. Um, with his, he's trying to relocate um, where he can get um, another job and hopefully help support himself and stay with a friend. And um, yeah, his last update was posted yesterday, um, 22nd of September, where he said, um, today is the last day for me to get anything out of my home before the bailiff and landlord change the locks. I pushed myself really hard to try and get everything out yesterday. I almost made it too, but this morning I paid the price for pushing too hard. I woke up to a splitting headache and swelling all over. My blood pressure machine was issuing warnings and I was sick in the bathroom. I have only one more small trip back to the apartment to get some small things and then to drop off the keys. I have a temporary shelter with my parents for the next few weeks until my big move across country um, to meet his friend. Um, I could still use any assistance to help with moving expenses. Thank you everyone for following along and I hope you never have to go through this ever. May you all live long and prosper. So, um, yeah, if you are able to help out, um, the links to his medical recovery and his relocation fund will be in our show notes. So, um, yeah, I just wish I could help more. Well, yeah, not a nice thing to go through. I hope he manages to hit his target. His relocation fund is almost halfway. So, um, thank you for all those who have helped him out. Now, Studog, you'd actually added an an article to actually discuss, which is to do with the legacy of the Enterprise. Yes, uh, I had some information about the Space Shuttle Enterprise, and I found out that it's actually the the 80th birthday of the first Enterprise carrier is coming up soon. So she was launched on October the 3rd, 1936, the USS Enterprise CV-6, the seventh US Navy vessel to bear the name, known as the Big E. She was the sixth aircraft carrier of the US Navy. She was Yorktown class. And she was one, one of only three American <laughs> carriers commissioned before the World War II to survive the war. The others I, being the Saratoga and the Ranger. I do wonder whether... Um, with um, Roddenberry, because I think he was actually either in the Air Force or the Navy, wasn't he? If whether or not the, the names of these ships played a sort of big part in the naming of the ships in no Star doubt, Trek. No doubt. Because we oh, yeah. know that Yorktown was actually the name that was planned to, to be the 1701 originally, and they changed it to Enterprise. Yes, and there there was a vessel called Constitution as well. Yep. I'm not sure what class she was. I don't remember. Were, no, I think the Constitution about... was a um, one of the smaller carrier variants variants for World War Two. It was a uh, it was essentially the 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 early escort carriers. Yeah, that's like it, something that could be referred to as a, a pocket carrier because it was just a little bit smaller. 
Yeah, kind of like off of the it was, Ark Royals. Yeah. It was it was smaller and um, much easier to mass produce than the bigger full uh, full carriers. But yeah, you were talking about the Enterprise vessels. <laughs> I finally um, got it out. <laughs> we have some information here about the nuclear vessel. USS Enterprise CVN-65, which is an inactive U.S. Navy carrier at this time. She was the world's first nuclear-powered aircraft carrier and the eighth U.S. naval vessel to bear the name. Like her predecessor, she was also named the Big E. Mm-hmm. Her home port was Naval Station Norfolk, Virginia, as of September 2012, and I'm totally massacring American names here. And her original home port was the Naval Air Station at Alameda. Alameda, and, yeah. Until its closure in '97. This, this is this is why Midnight was wanting to say Wessels, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that was just a checkoff uh, reference. Yeah, but that was well, the I guess one that checkoff check was off looking your at. List, huh? <laughs> So the Enterprise was clearly visible to those who were crossing the San Francisco Bridge when she was in Alameda. As of this year, she is still a commissioned U.S. Navy ship, but she's inactive, and she has currently been cut open for the removal of any salvageable systems and components. She's been gutted alive, people! Yep. I actually got to go on that ship before they did any getting of it or such. So I got a tour of it. But it was docked in San Francisco. Some strange reason when you talk about gutting it alive, I got a flashback to a Torchwood episode. Not the one with the giant wheel thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were on this thing, like, just to give us a sense of scale, how how big would you describe it as being? Um, it is truly like what they say it is. It is a floating city. It is... You know, there's hundreds of people on there, and when it's out to sea, you will not feel any... You could go through a hurricane, and you will not feel it move. You will not feel it shaking, rocking, nothing. There is no motion at all. Um, You can walk from one floor to the next and actually spend days doing that and never encounter a person if, you know... Unless you go up in the upper decks where where everything is, and that you mean you'd have to go straight up, and it and it's that's what like twenty stories or something like that, good total. So it, I mean, it was huge, and and it parked, you know, like fifteen twenty planes inside of it. So and it had enough space to do that all inside, not anything on the deck. So and enough space to. To land and raise them, and presuming that not everything on it was designed for vertical takeoff and landing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Most of the original planes weren't designed that way. So they 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 had you know back in the forty sevens and in the in World War Two, everything was either props or jets, and they had to drive off of the plane. They, the the ship had to turn towards the air, you know, wind, and then the planes hope for the best they turn their engines full on and then they would take off and hope that they got enough lift before the uh 
right before they ran out of ship. <laughs> <laughs> I think to give a sense of scale for those in the UK, I think it's something like about four times the size of the Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, I've see, been this on that is why, one too. Um, a lot of those, a lot of those earlier, larger uh, aircraft carriers had a um, had, had kind of like a a pivot because they were made out of wood. So they they had a they had a, a kind of a reverse drawbridge where they could actually increase the length of of the runway itself. So yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, in a in a in a sailing form, the the extension was folded down against the ship, and then they could raise it to extend the runway essentially. Yeah, that was on the the smaller ones like the CV six would have had, but on the the CVN sixty five, they didn't have an, an extending bridge at all. So it was strictly they drove it into the wind and hoped for the best. Most of the time, they they took off just fine, but they're one or two times that they didn't do it so well, and then they well, then, lost then, the ship, lost the airplane. Well, th- then we then we got into this thing of making aircraft carriers with um, what was it like like assistances, like yeah, the they, um, yeah. like catapults, mini catapult like yes. things. Yes, uh, they started putting those on the ships on the newer ones where they have uh, rope guided uh, catapults. And they also have back black splashes that pop up, so that they have more. Their thrust would be pushing them more greater at at the start. So they had a lot of thrust, and then they had, you know, these steam engines that were pulling the ship along, the the airplane along across the ship, and they were flying, driving directly into the wind. So they'd be flying nose first into the to the wind, and all of that just to take them off, get them to take off. It's kind of like you know those little those little toy airplanes that you get that get the little rubber band that you could hook them to the rubber band. That's that's kind of what they started doing on aircraft carriers. Yeah, yeah. And it just sounds amazing. I mean, just imagine what's going through the head of the crazy guy sitting inside one of those things, Geronimo. Well, well it was more fun watching them try to land the things because when they come down, they have. These little hooks that stick out from the airplanes, and they come down, rope and they coil. have to hook the rope that's strung across the the uh, the uh, the deck, the landing. Yeah, the deck, and th- they use between that and reverse thrust to slow them down and make them stop on on the sh- the ship because there wasn't enough actual runway to actually stop normally. And they yeah, um, they'd have to pick up the thrust very, very quickly to take back off. Yep, they they come in pretty hot, and then and just as soon as they have any inkling that they're over the bridge, they're reversing. So that as soon as they know they've passed, they're on top of the ship. They're reversing the thrust and hoping that they caught that thing because they can't see because it's below their viewpoint, and they're just hoping that they're going to stop. Yeah, I've seen this sort of thing. It's like a little, like a little fishing rod hook thing on the back of uh, the Phantoms that would grab that thing. Yeah, they used to put them in on the front on some of the designs, and then they had too many ships, then too many of them flipping over. <laughs> so they start putting them on the back. <laughs> so um, yeah, you've still there's got a reason. There's, to cover. Yeah, there's a reason the top that that Top Gun starts on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. So the next enterprise, the CVN-80, is penned to be in operation by 2025. And she will be the third Gerald R. Ford class aircraft carrier to have been built for the U.S. Navy. And she'll be the ninth U.S. naval vessel to bear the name Enterprise. And she will be commanded by Captain Kirk, right? Yep, yep. Archer, surely. No, Kirk. No, Kirk. It, it was a... That's been like a big thing for the past five years is that the next Enterprise will have a Captain Kirk at the helm. Yep. <laughs> An actual uh, uh, write-up that they've done. That I don't forget. I forget who had it. But I remember seeing, reading it. It comes around in circulation every couple of months again. I see it and it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that's supposed to still be happening. When does that <laughs> ship get launched? Oh, the 2025. Okay. Yep. Midnight. I mean, these guys are looking for Captain Kirks, and what do we get? We're naming our ships things like Boaty McBoatface. That's <laughs> <laughs> <is> true. <laughs> well, well, when you name a ship by committee, what do you expect? <laughs> this is why. This is why idiots. England. This is why England left the EU. <laughs> no, that has nothing to do with it. But. Yeah, don't get me started on that. <laughs> anyway. So moving on to the Space Vessel Enterprise. On September the 17th, 1976, NASA rolled out the Space Shuttle Enterprise, OV-101, from the Rockwell plant in Palmdale, California. Now, see, it's it, it's interesting that that we have these call signs because... I, I don't know what some of them are, but I get I get general gist of what some of them might be. Like CV would be carrier vessel. Yeah. I, I I assume OV would be orbital vessel. Correct. So I don't know what the N is, and I probably nuclear. don't know what the A is. N stands for nuclear. Okay. What does and the A stand for? It usually refers to as advanced. Ah, uh, okie Um, I thought it was aircraft. Um, can be that too. There's some inconsistency in its application. Because the DDA doesn't have any aircraft on it. So, um, I just looked it up. Aircraft carrier attack nuclear powered. Yeah, attack. That's also what it could stand for. So, um... Does anybody remember, like... Several years ago, one of the aircraft carriers for the Navy was testing a, essentially a railgun on it. Oh yeah, like yeah, we haven't heard any news about that thing since. Isn't that what Rihanna used? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he had to bring uh, it up. Yeah, <laughs> the railgun. I think I'm the only person here that didn't get that. The rail no, you're not the good. only one. Oh, um, Battleship. From the movie Battleship. Okay, I did not see that movie. Me uh, neither. I've okay. never even heard of that one. Oh, it's it's a movie based off of the the game. And that's about as much as relation it has to it, the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's a. There, she's on a. Was it a Zodiac or something? And she's got a sort of rail gun. Yeah. On that. So. Yeah, she's on a little Zodiac as they try to come up to the alien ship. But nowhere near as big as the 
railgun you guys were. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's no metal no. Those 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 railguns are metal just gear. too expensive to build build, so that's why there's not really much talk about them. <laughs> oh, we're really squirreling today, aren't we? Squirrel. So, Look, we've yes. got to fill the time somehow. Squirrel. No, we don't need to fill the time. Anyway, Stu Dog, do you want to... So, at the dedication <laughs> ceremony for the Space Shuttle Enterprise, Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry and the majority of the original series cast were in attendance, including Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, Michelle Nichols, James Doohan, and Walter Koenig. You ever seen those pictures? I have, actually. Mm. Black and white. Yeah. Gotta love those outfits. Especially uh, Forrest Kelly. He looked like he was a, a player. Bones is rocking <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. He looked like he was a player. <laughs> so following a letter-writing campaign from fans of Star Trek, NASA caved and called their vessel the Enterprise. She never actually went to space, but she was used to perform atmospheric test flights, and she was launched from the back of a modified 747 plane. The Enterprise is now at the Intrepid Air, Sea and Space Museum in New York State. Star Trek.com briefly talked with Leonard Nimoy in April 2012, when the Enterprise arrived in New York, before it made its final trek to the Intrepid. And he said, and I'll try and put on my best Nimoy voice here. It was an emotional and proud experience for me to be associated with this project. The shuttle was a leap forward in moving people and equipment into space. I remember the day it rolled out of the hangar in California and the Air Force Band played the theme from Star Trek. It was thrilling. I'm so happy that it found a home. And that was you trying to be Nimoy. We'll give that him was, an A for effort. That was, <laughs> that was me sounding more like Sean Connery than Leonard Nimoy, but yes. Okay, so I'm looking at a picture of the, the, the dedication ceremony with all of them there. DeForest Kelly looks more subdued <laughs> than the, the, the 70s porn star thing he had going on during one of the films. Yeah. <laughs> That's the... History of the Enterprise. So I noticed that is only US ships that they went through. I saw the US ships that I went through. <laughs> so you didn't think of doing the UK? I, well, I started off with the shuttle, and then when I found more sort of references to this sort of time of year, it mostly seemed to be around the American ones. And then I just added in the future carrier just for the, the fun of it. <laughs> You know, because I felt that it covered the past and the future. You know, there was a... I, I, I can't find it right now, but I was looking for... Um, actually, one, somebody did a fan art, like like fan art of, of Star Trek, but it was one of the, the old HMS Enterprise sailing ships. And it was supposed to be fighting this other ship that looked very... Uh, this other sailing ship that looked like it was Borg. <laughs> Son, I've seen that. I know the picture that you're talking about. I can't find it! <laughs> talking about pictures of Enterprise, 
isn't does an archer when he's got all the pictures of Enterprise actually have the HMS Enterprise in the picture? Yes. In, yeah. In, yeah. Especially well, even in the opening of Enterprise, it's got the that that in it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, hell, that was that that's in the motion picture too. Like all the little pictures that we have for uh, the little the little history of the Enterprise stuff in Stowe for the for the Federation fleet, all of that stuff is taken from taken from the 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 motion picture itself. Indeed. Yes, uh, I can remember the little pencil drawings in Archer's ready room. Alrighty, moving along, um, just very quickly, um, fan films. The Outer Rim, previously known as Star Trek Anthology, um, are always still looking for help, though not much in the way of news from them. Though they have uh, released their little vignette, which was for Assignment Earth um, a few weeks ago. I found it! I found it! I'm sharing it with the Twitch chat, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, if you're able to help, um, or if you haven't heard about it, uh, go take a look at explorethealterrim.com and you can find their fundraising at thunderclap.it and just search for what lies at the Outer Rim. So, community feedback. We had asked if you were to submit a project or device for the betterment of humanity to the Roddenberry Awards, what would it be and why? Conceal, do you want to read out... The feedback? Sure. So, uh, I started off the feedback by going, it felt all kinds of weird having the interference from Independence Day creep into our interview, so, uh, I apologize for that last week. It was... It was cringe-worthy on, on many levels. Um, so, our first piece of feedback comes from Alex on the forums. And it was actually rather short this week. Yes, I think he must be ill. Hello, it, at the beginning of the show, he goes, I had lots more feedback to give, but it would have been three or four times more. <laughs> well, he did He did say he might actually post more for last week, next week, for this week's feedback. Don't, don't, don't let the, don't let the time thing confuse you. The future is in the past and the past is in the future? What? <laughs> Well, we should be used to it by now, because me and Stu are actually already in the future. Indeed. <laughs> it's Saturday for us. <laughs> unless, yeah. you, unless unless we have somebody from Australia, then they're, they're even more further in the future. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. You're reading out Alex's feedback. So, Alex says, hello, Tribbles. I've got a lot of feedback, so ready, steady, go. Community question. Good question. I mean, the replicator sounds good, but how do you power it? Besides, there are people who suggest that starvation has less to do with not enough food and instead is a symptom of corrupt, ineffect, uh, ineffective, negligent governments. And those issues might not go away even if affordable replicators existed. So maybe cheap and clean energy should be the first step instead. Well, you still need to get the necessary funding, and we know that es that established industries can influence politics through their lobbyists, which is completely true. 
but at this point we kind of have clean and renewable energy, just not enough investment in it. Anyway, I got a brilliant idea. How about some way to rewrite human brains to make them all have common sense? What are you saying? Brainwashing? <laughs> well, that's one way to look at it, but it would only be used for the betterment of humanity. What? There's potential for abuse? <laughs> I guess you're right. What a pity. Common sense for everybody could have solved lots of problems. The only way to better humanity would be if humanity bettered itself. Let's see how long that's going to take. Yeah, we'll probably balloon ourselves up by then. Feedback! I really enjoyed the interview, especially the parts where Zeronius and you guys went on one nerdy tangent after another. That kind of friendly chatter is just so much more interesting than talking about the game. Unfortunately, it's time for another round of brutal honesty. Be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> Run! 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 <laughs> so there was a question on the show asking about the Cardassian Dominion lockbox. Okay, here comes here comes here comes the news that we haven't that, that we've not seen anywhere that's like a thing that should probably be being discussed on the official Stow stuff. So there was well, a question. This was the stuff in the news for the consoles that we had in the news either last week or the week before. I don't remember them mentioning the issue itself. Anyway, let me let me continue. So there was a question on the show asking about the Cardassian Dominion lockbox. See, during the week, I saw a, a thread on Reddit about well console players complaining that the supposed tier six ships in the lockbox and the low buy store were not tier six, but tier five instead. And some of these console players claimed that support brushed him off, calling the tier six thing a typo. And I'm like, okay. Perfect World is responsible for support, but Cryptic? Seriously? The first lockbox. The first lockbox on consoles, and you guys can't launch without some sort of issue. And, and this is a rather big issue. <laughs> that's just precious. But that's not the best part. The executive producer chimed in in that Reddit thread, and in a thread here on the forums saying that they are working on it and everything will be fixed. That's great, isn't it? The first sentence of his statement basically says they noticed the issue the week before. And that's where I stop. Why? Let me explain it to Cryptic and Perfect World in no uncertain terms. If I were to consider you a respectable game developer, I would expect you to write this post the moment the terrible bug comes to your attention. Not the week after. And furthermore, you would not just answer these specific threads. You would make a news blog announcement that shows up in the launcher and a sticky thread on the forums. Wait, never mind, because you still don't have a dev tracker. That's what oh I would expect. That's what I would expect from a respectable game developer. Now, if you want to actually impress me, you would do what I said in the previous paragraph. And on top of that, you would freeze the lockbox event. Stop the boxes from dropping, stop selling keys, and freeze all keys on the exchange. 
Yes, some people might get possibly upset, but that would be a very clear and visible sign that this issue has top priority. And as soon as the issue is fixed, you unfreeze the event, and you extend the event by however many days it was frozen. First impressions, cryptic. First impressions. See, the official Stowe Twitter and Captain Gecko, and maybe other devs too, link and retweet views that praise the game. I get that. That's what everybody would do. But let's look at some of these reviews on YouTube. As of yet, very few of them managed to get 10,000 or more views. A few feedbacks ago, I mentioned a guy doing a first impression videos on the PC version. He got over 150,000 views by now. To once again put that into perspective, very few of your official videos get to 100,000 views or more. You know, just, just go to YouTube and search for Star Trek Online. Among the first videos are this guy and a guy who reviewed the Xbox version of Stowe. That guy got over 100,000 views now, and he does recommend checking out the game because it's free. But he is very clear about the issues it has. Just the part of about voice acting and design alone, as in-depth and fun as... Wait, what? I don't think that sentence makes sense to me. The way he wrote it is just the, just the part about voice acting and sound design alone is supposed to be as in-depth and fun at the same time. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm missing an as in there. Yep. <laughs> okay. That's the flow of the sentence broke for me. Yep. <laughs> I saw that too. By the way, when Mr. Ricosa and Zeronius claim that Agents of Yesterday has as much episodic content as Delta Rising, I did actually log in and check my mission journal. Yeah. That's kind of sad, actually. Turns out that they are theoretically right. Delta Rising has nine true episodes at launch, and up, up to and including Takedown, whereas Agents of Yesterday had ten episodes. Now, you could argue whether or not the two episodes that supposedly ended the temporal story arc could have been part of the expansion, but I'm not going to do that. We could also argue whether what's left behind and dust to dust should be counted for the Delta Rising arc since they've been included in the mission journal. But let's talk about something more interesting. Hey Cryptic, when Delta Rising launched and people really didn't like the inclusion of patrol mission wrappers and the much steeper leveling curve, weren't you talking about how you wanted to make patrol missions more interesting by injecting them into parts of the story? So back then you kind of made almost... You may be almost considered at least part of them story content, but now, when compared to Agents of Yesterday, you kind of seem to have conveniently forgotten about that. Make up your mind. Are those missions, or even parts of that story content, yes or no? Does one rapper, including all the patrols, equal one story mission? What about two rappers? Please tell me, Cryptic. I'm listening intently. And what else did they kind of forget? Oh, the repeatable Kobali Ground Adventure Zone. Even though those people may have not liked this stuff technically, at least part of it might qualify as story content. Now look at Agents of Yesterday and tell me, where's the content? <laughs> yeah, it's always fun with you, Alex. <laughs> and all I can say is that six of those episodic contents were 
locked away for only uh, new characters. Oh, not I. That's why. That's one of the reasons why I don't think that it's as much as even Delta Rising was. I'm just, I'm actually kind of, <laughs> I, I kind of find it more hilarious right now that that the entire staff over at Cryptic is now changing their story. Because uh. last week when we did the interview, I did kind of want to full stop the interview and go, why are you bringing up, why are you bringing up Delta Rising? Because all of your marketing stuff has been as much a faction as the Romulans. And that was Legacy of Romulus, not Delta Rising. And that was a whole hell of a lot more content. Yep. I think they figured uh, out that detail and decided they would get to something that was a little bit lighter. Yeah. (laughs) See, this is, this is, this is why, mm mm, mm mm. You know, they're they're gonna, they're gonna continue, they're gonna keep, continue making these grandiose claims. And then when people go, but, but that's not true. They're going to go, yeah, but see, like a politician, what I meant was this thing over here, this little itty-bitty piece over here. See, this is what I meant, not not this piece before it that was actually a whole cake, and, and, and this is just a little, little square from Starbucks. The thing is, they say something, and they get complained, out, uh, claim, um, complained about because it's not maybe explained properly, or it's something changes, but then when they don't say anything, people complain because they're not saying anything. So they can never really win, can they? Well, they could win by saying something that's accurate and true. The thing it doesn't is, is, have to be what everybody likes, but as long as they're accurate and true... Yeah, um, but yeah, they're, they're they could be accurate win, no at the time they they're saying it. it, but then <laughs> when it comes to actually release and things like that things change or things aren't quite ready so things don't get out when they wanted or expected them to well then they, they need to be more careful about what they say yeah like that's, which that's then the people thing. complain that they don't communicate and tell people about these things so that's the whole thing with like dan stool sort of people complain oh dan stool promises all these things and it never gets done but then they shut up and tell people when things are actually coming out and oh cryptic never tells us anything and they always let us know at the last minute <laughs> so it which is matter. which is a which is which as much as it is it is a true criticism yes all i'm saying is no matter what they do people are going to complain and they can never win um no matter what they do people were going to be complaining it's the numbers of complaints that, that they have to figure out which do they which they want to contend with and as is, as he says in here about other more respectable uh, game companies a lot of them give enough information that you have an understanding of what's coming without giving all of the details so that you're not saying oh we're going to get that specific thing but they're going to say okay we're bringing out these kind of things this is what's in the works they will be coming but they don't commit to uh, specific details and so people understand what is coming they just sometimes they don't know when but they do know it's coming yeah but that's the thing coming could mean a month or it could mean eight years time but the problem is is people take it's coming as it's coming soon yeah and, which and, is why soon has an inherent trademark next to it in all of the gaming industry 
Yeah, people have now come to understand that soon doesn't mean next week or next month or even that that particularly that year. People know that soon is. But not everybody does know. (laughs) People still keep complaining. You told us it would be soon. No matter how many times devs say, well, yes, it's still on our list of things to do and it will be done as soon as we can. And people still keep complaining. So, yeah. Yes, but there's less people who complain and the numbers go down as the new gamer who doesn't understand what soon TM means learns that, learns that um, particular aspect of the gaming world and that terminology as it's used. And then that, then those complaints drop. But when you say, oh, we're going to, you know, this is going to equal that. And then when it comes out, it doesn't equal that. Then, then you have more complaints that last longer and becomes official reviews that stick around for a long period of time. The main issue is is that people who are vocal are always the minority, but it's the minority which are very vocal. So it, a lot of these things can often seem like a bigger problem than they actually are. I wouldn't say that the people who are vocal are always the minority. I would say that the people who are vocal are speaking out and it's a minority of people who are speaking out, but whether they are representing a minority of people or a minority of uh, belief of how the system is, that's a totally different ball of wax. I like what Alex says in chat. Midnight, there's a difference between sharing a vision and creating hype that is factually wrong, to which I chimed in, see No Man's Sky. Oh, yeah. That is the perfect example of building a hype machine on crap that is incorrect or stuff that is talked about and then whispered away and not spoken about again until it's not there and people go, why isn't it? But then Alex goes on to say when Gecko said TOS would be as much a faction as the Romulans, he knew that statement would not hold any water. The problem is, is of course, that was said during an interview, and he could have just as easily meant Delta Rising instead of um, Legacy of Romulus. The problem is, is then it gets to the point, it's just like, well, in case they make a mistake... No, 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 he had... When Gecko said that, he had zero expectations about making it about the expansion that included the Romulans. He said the right. faction, the Romulans, that includes the number of ships, that includes the inclusion of them being cross-faction, and all, all that stuff. So for the most part, he was kind of correct that there is there is the cross-faction with the Federation, so you have access to the Federation ships. Where he was wrong was the fact that there is not a free-toss temporal ship as you level up like there is in the Romulan faction. But yeah, sure, there's the ones that you buy like that's in the Romulan faction, and you can buy a big, huge bundle of the things. But yeah, there's kind of not a free one as you level up. You're expected to level up into the Federation ships. The thing is, they're going to be looking at things like that more likely as how much in the way of missions there are, rather than how some other players will look at it, which is sort of maybe ships and things like that. 
because you can right, say but, but, right but the thing that's... is every single expansion we've had has had a different level of content like delta rising didn't actually have a playable faction um because an expansion isn't just the playable content it's also about the technology behind it right so how could, yeah. how could you how could you compare agents of yesterday to delta rising in the fact that it has no faction well, just because it's an expansion doesn't mean it's comparable completely. And when it comes to content as in missions, they are basically comparable. You get roughly the same amount of missions. <laughs> oh, I totally All I'm saying is you can't bitch because someone says it's comparable if they didn't specify how they're comparing it. People look at things in different ways. Well, if they, if they wanted it to be comparable... They either have to state what they, how they are seeing it as being comparable, or, um, oh, shoot. Is the fire alarm going off there? You have to leave uh, the building. No, that was an uh, alarm off my phone. Um, what the, what it has to be is is there's either you state what you're comparing, or if you make the broad statement of it will be as comparable. A is going to be as comparable as B, you know, as comparable to B, then everybody's going to take everything about A and compare it to everything that's about B and see what matches up and what's missing. But that's the thing. They can't always say it at the times that these things are discussed due to the fact that things haven't always been announced. Which then goes back to that if they... You don't want people well, could making comparisons or any information like that. Then you go back to them just not doing interviews again, which people then complain... Why don't the podcasts get interviews? Why don't they do this? There well, we all know that's point. my fault, right? <laughs> but it, it goes back to my point. No matter what they do or what they say, someone's going to pick holes at them and say they should have done this instead. But when he made that statement, he could... You could look at it in a general statement, and he could have made a general statement saying that you know it had a comparable number of missions, and it would have a comparable amount of ships, or he could have said things like that. There have been no details, but, yeah, but it would have is, given us but, the idea of what they're, how they're looking at it, and how are they planning on comparing, making those comparisons, or how they're trying to make the the you know what apples are they looking at on each side. And he didn't even make that effort. Because, for all we know, that it, there may have been intention to do some other things with it, but because of some problems that they encountered, things had to be dropped. And okay. I've no... Like, if I'm developing something, I could intend to include a whole heap of functionality, but because of something that is in some legacy code, that a change to that basically breaks everything... It can't then, be done. Then that's, when you that's that's people, kind of, you also say it's the kind of transparency. You know, that's that's the kind of transparency you you kind of want. Yeah, but but the thing is, yeah, some some say, of these things can be found out so much later on that the conversation you had on a podcast X weeks ago is completely forgotten. Yes, it may not be forgotten by some of the listeners. But, but if you know, but you, if you know you've been having interviews about things, and you know that you're you were certain features are now being cut out at the last possible moment and stuff like that, you can state that um, 
we had to cut certain amount of content. You didn't even have to state what exactly that content was. But you can state that you've had to cut certain things from the content because of technical issues or things and that they will be uh, addressed later on or or maybe say because of the technical issues that we had to cut this certain content and it will never be added in because it's not uh, feasible. At this point, the- at this point, I, I hate I, I I hate doing this and you know because because of stuffs. <laughs> One, I don't think cryptic should ever have to give details like CCP does with Eve Online, but at the same time. I would expect the transparency that CCP gives with, hey, this is a thing that isn't working. We're going to remove it. Hey, this is stuff we had planned to use, but we have to remove it because it's not working. Yeah, I would even say, I mean, I know Blizzard is not usually brought up about things because people think it's a really big, huge company, but even so... They are very relatively transparent for a company, too, about what they do and stuff. And when they, when they say, okay, they've even made announcements of, hey, we're going to be bringing this set of content in. And then later on, they go back and say, you know what? This wasn't working out or this didn't meet our level of quality, so we're cutting it out. This, didn't, this wasn't working well or we couldn't find a way to make it fun, so we're going to take it out. And the people, thing is, you people go complained announcing- about it at that moment and point in time, but later on, Everybody, you know, sometimes t- turn it into a joke, but everybody points to what they've said and how they handled that as to being that's the way you should do things. The thing is, they s- turn around and they do a blog on that. People then concentrate about the negativity of that when literally the only thing that thing is for the most people, it's not noticeable. Because not everybody listens to podcasts, not everybody reads the blogs. But people start talking about they're removing this or they're not doing that. It's a publicity thing. They're not going to just say they can't do this, they can't do that, when they haven't announced that they were going to do it in the first place. But if they they put it in their, their launcher where you will see the stories and stuff there that and that's that's a visible thing to do and that's what i see other companies do too they put it in the launcher that hey these here's the coming changes and stuff like that and then they make and they make their announcements and stuff and they also make any announcements of changes they make and processes that they're changing or, or numbers that they're going to uh redo or something like that but they put it in their game launcher so that people can see it there. If people don't look at it, then when they say, oh, well, I didn't learn about this, it's, it's like, okay, well, it was in the game launcher. It was there for you to read. If you chose not to take that, that is on them, not the company. The company did its reasonable effort to inform you. No, but it, it, I'm talking about cases like where Gecko said something on a podcast, but oh, yeah. saying this is compa- will be comparable to that. But the only yep. reason that it's not comparable when it does get released could be because of a bug or um, a problem with technology. But if he hadn't been on the podcast, nobody would have known that would have been expected in the first place. So to release a blog that says they're not including this, this and this because of this, it just 
it's just negativity about the game that they're releasing on their site. Why would they do that? Especially given you the amount of people that listen it's you would do that not because it's negativity, but it's because it's showing ownership and it's showing that um, you are aware of situations and issues and stuff and that you're that you as a company are trying to do something about it. Whether it, also it, is, said, it also shows that this is an idea we'd like to implement, but we have to find a way to fix it first. Right. There's, there's a lot more positivity to it than there is negativity to it. Just because you say, well, I can't do this anymore, you go into explaining to some level. You don't have to be you know, detailed, but you go into some level of saying, you know, this wasn't possible because there were some causing some other issues with certain code or or there was uh, it was breaking the game in a way that was not um, uh, unexpected. And so they hadn't found a, a, a way to fix that issue yet, but it's being looked at and we're going to continue to look at it until we resolve it or we determine that it's not going to be put in at all. And if they get to the point where they resolve it, then they say, hey, now we're going to put in the game. Or if they determine that they can't fix it at any point in time, then they can put out a blog and say, you know how we said that we wanted to put this in? We've determined the fact that the effort to make it happen is uh, greater than the value that it would bring to the game. So um, we are not going to implement it at this time. I've developed code for and software and applications for enough companies to know that not working for any one of them, would they ever announce that they can't do something, even if they said, right, this is what we're hoping to do. They just don't yeah. talk about it. And yeah. I have n- not known anyone who does. That, so that, they for, are for following corporate, what basically the majority of companies do. Because for anything software, that, For corporate software, that is the way to go. Because you don't, because your customer base and your customer uh, group that you're providing for is a different animal than than gamers. Gamers want to know. Gamers want to have this information in front of them. Gamers are also aware that gamers sometimes want to meta features. The game. Yeah, they want. Yeah, they want to do well, that. The thing but is, they gamers also want that sometimes features can't be put in because of technical issues, because of of um, f- you know cost and effectiveness and stuff like that. There's a lot of things that we understand and being told that these are the reasons why things are going makes gamers uh, happier about the game itself. But the thing is, the company, they answer to, it's not the players, it is the company shareholders. They're the people who are going to go, we don't want that information released. The, the They're not answer gonna- to the... The answer to the shareholders, fine, for the financial reasons. But for the game, for the fun, the aspects therein, they have to answer to the the constituents, the, the, the people that they're selling it to, the gamers. And so you have, they have two different customers. The money, they this, this have really, to go up. This really is the, kind of a world of politics. At, yeah. at, the, at the same time, a politician is trying to cater to their their financial investors the people they have donation fundraisers for they also literally have to go to constituents and go this is what i would do for you yep yeah it's the same environment in 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 a lot of ways it's a very good comparison but when you continually lie to the constituents they're less likely to believe you about stuff in the future 
even if it's true. Yep. And that's where Cryptic is starting to run down that road. Anyway, do you want to... We've got some other feedback. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Okay, hold on just a moment. I hate... I need to get a new mouse. This scroll wheel is bothering me to no end. <laughs> okay, so Chozo Elder Second also commented on, on our forums. If you were to submit one project or device for the betterment of humanity to Roddenberry Awards, what would it be and why? I would want something that would benefit uh, Solomon Khan's idea of free worldwide education. Khan, uh, Khan Academy is a great website that's helped me out before. If there was somehow an easy way to get it into the hands of the people that really needed it, it would be fantastic. Feedback. Okay, Midnight, I understand your point. You're right, and that it shouldn't be uh, that it shouldn't be expected to literally stop yourselves on every single detail and say, "Warning, spoilers coming in." Christ, that would be dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> if you really think it's okay to say major stuff like that, well, I can't really blame you. I could go into a spiel about why I said what I said. How I don't agree that it's similar to talking about old films with friends. And tell the whole story about why I think like this. But I'll give you the short version. I have a feeling that's what you'll prefer. Basically, when I was a kid, I got spoiled on pretty much just about everything cool that interested me. As a kid, I was always told the same thing. It's been years. Suck it up. I followed that advice and went, eh, okay, fine. Many years went by, and then I found out that my best friend wasn't spoiled on a lot of things that seemed to be common knowledge. That's when my outlook changed. I no longer thought it was fair to say, it's been years, or something like that. If you cared enough, you would have seen it within the year. But context is still important. And the context here is that this is a Star Trek podcast. I can agree with Midnight when he says it's too much of a hassle to worry about when this podcast... Uh, that it's too much hassle to worry about when this is a podcast about Star Trek. That's fair enough. Thank you for understanding where I'm coming from, Midnight. Hearing that means a lot more than you realize, because it's literally the first time I'm hearing someone be friendly about the subject. Also, Chozo, I apologize. As for that tweet Midnight read, obviously, that refers to Sun. I think it was a little much. If you really pay attention, you don't hear many interruptions. If anything, the guests interrupt them just as much. Which is something that shouldn't be frowned upon since they're the guest. It's cool since they're being decent about it. When devs do interrupt, it's not like they're being jerks about it. They're simply trying to get their point across. Sun isn't necessarily demanding or shoving ideas either. There's nothing wrong with giving ideas. When a dev refutes a point, it usually ends with fair enough. Sure, it's a little, a little cynical sometimes, but I feel where she's coming from. I have frequently played Romulan in KDF. Star Trek Discovery Delay. I'm a Zelda fan, so I'm used to delays. I'm fine with it. I'll always prefer a delay if it means having... Uh, uh, means not having to sacrifice quality. Fleet Station K-13 holding. I'm happy. It's satisfying my itch for toss-themed stuff. 
For some people, it might be gear, equipment, and a fleet zone map, but for me, it's more ways of having fun. It might be just the thing that gets me uh, to level my Agents of Yesterday character that's still currently level 16. Yeah, no kidding. Me too. Mine's still level 10. Like I said, oh, after yeah, after after running the after running the exclusive content and then going now you need to go save the Azura. I was like, yeah, no, put down game. Now, mine's about uh, mine's about about fifty five, I think, or maybe fifty six, somewhere around in there. I've started burning through the reps on mine. Yeah, I'm almost done with all the reps on mine right now. He's got. Two more to go, the Terran one and the uh, Delta. Every Stop. time I think I'll play this weekend, then I get audio quality like last week, which takes a lot of time to go through. <laughs> and I don't end up playing at all. We also got uh, we also got some feedback from Facebook. Uh, Fred Ortiz commented from the Star Trek Online fans group. Well, for the community question, I don't have a serious answer, so I'll modernize a joke from Spaceballs to tie to Star Trek. Instant Blu-rays! Blu-rays of films in stores before the movie is finished. How would this benefit humanity? Well, simple. We wouldn't be seeing Alec Peters playing Martyr for his failures over XNR. (laughs) (laughs) Do you hear me? Comb the desert! Tuvok looks up. We ain't found shit. (laughs) (laughs) And we also had um, a couple of comments regarding the audio quality from last week's show on Reddit. And again, do apologize for that. Um, We did try sorting it. Unfortunately, before the show, when we started, uh, finally. We delayed the show trying to fix it. And it wasn't that bad, but then we started the show and it got worse. I was like, oh. So, um, so yeah. Um, hopefully next week um, we won't have these uh, problems. Yeah, no. On my fan page, when when I when I shared the episode, the I I I gave it the title: "How do you solve tech problems like Maria?" <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, we won't have any. Okay, that's the end of the show. We have gone through all of this week's news, and and we filled in for time. Well, not that we really need to fill in for time, but hopefully people have enjoyed our conversations. Um, if you would like to join our fleets in Star Trek Online for the Federation, it's Tribbles and Ecstasy Sci Fleet, and for the KDF, it's Targs and Ecstasy. And for timelines, it's just Tribbles and Ecstasy. If you'd like to get in contact with us, please do so at Tribbles in XTC. And that's via Twitter, Facebook, Star Trek Riser, Player.me, and you can find us as well on Google+. You can send us an email, hosts at TribblesandExtasy.com. And you can also leave us a recording at speakpipe.com forward slash tribbles and ecstasy or you can go and use the widget on the official post on holosuitemedia.com you can always find us on trekradio.net and subspace-radio.net every Wednesday where we are syndicated 
And you can also find us on iTunes and Google Play if you're in North America. And please, if you can, leave us some reviews for iTunes. It's helpful to get other people to listen to the show because it will be found more. I usually forget to say that part. (laughs) (laughs) So, let us know your thoughts on the new fleet holding for Star Trek Online. Um, We're interested to know your thoughts. And of course, I will be creating in the Star Trek Online forums a post to ask questions for our guests next week. So keep an eye out for that. Yes, yes. Send in your K-13 questions for for, uh, Taco Fangs, because he is environmental artist. And that's a really big toss set to play in. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to find out what that's taken and the different unlocks and things like that. So, until next time, take care, everyone. Jolan True. Au revoir. See ya. Later, everybody. satellite radio for our remastered shows and more you can follow us on twitter at tribbles in xtc or if you have any questions or comments please send an email to tribbles in ecstasy at gmail.com join us next week for another episode of tribbles in ecstasy the only place where tribbles and klingons are friends